an eye-popping blockbuster that for all its daft macho contrivances still manages to take your breath away, damn it. Really? That's a Mark Kermode of The Observer talking about Top Gun Maverick. Well, I'll be focusing on those daft macho contrivances here in my review on the latest cinephile. A pleasure to have you with us as always. That is our new movie right now, setting box office records. Top Gun Maverick. Everybody went to go see it. Anybody who thinks the theaters are dead, well, clearly, people will still love going to the movie theaters as long as it's a movie that they want to see. In this case, a lot of nostalgia. A lot of people want to go see Tom Cruise again. Highest grossing Memorial Day weekend movie of all time. We are back. Also, in terms of the old movie this week, we're keeping the aerial assault going. We're going with Con Air, which my son Yusuf wanted to watch for his birthday, and Chris Cody just watched for the first time. And a somber wild card, unfortunately, Ray Liotta passes away. Shocking death at the age of 67. We'll recap my favorite five movies of Ray Liotta as he has gone way too soon. As always, great to have you with us. Hope you had a wonderful holiday weekend. Um, Cody, how was your weekend? A little barbecue? How was the weekend? It was good, you know, a little time with the family, uh, a little sunburnt, but, you know, we're okay. Yeah. It's good, man. So it's I'm... always weird on Memorial Day because, like, it's something people look forward to, but it's like you're supposed to remember Lost Soldiers. So it's like everyone oh. just thinks about barbecues, but it's like, uh, I do, I did, like, talk to, it's good to, like, with my daughter being four, you get to have these talks with her where it's yeah. like, you know, this is actually, you know, it's cool to, like, you know, teach your daughter things like that. No question about it. As a matter of fact, a couple of people smartly tweeted me. I was on MLB Network this weekend, and I said... Because I know you're not supposed to say Happy Memorial Day. So I said, hope you're enjoying Memorial Day weekend. And a thank you to all those soldiers who have served this great country. And they correctly tweeted me and said, no, no, Veterans Day is when you thank the people. Memorial Day is just honoring the dead. So I should just said, hey, sorry for all those that are dead. I hope you're enjoying the unofficial kickoff to the summer. Because that's I mean, that seems like a semantics. Seems a little semantics. It's like, can't we just appreciate everybody that served on Memorial Day and on Veterans Day? Like, let's just let's paint a broad brush. But, eh, you know. Speaking of painting broad brushes, I got in trouble with the law this weekend. I'm working hockey all weekend, and I'm driving home, and for some reason, the car kind of stalled for a second. So I hit on the, the four-way, because I don't want anyone to rear-end me, put it in park for a second, and then went to gas, accelerated, I was fine. But then, out of pure ego, I didn't want the guy who passed me to think he's better than me, so I started <laughs> zooming to pass him, and then, boom, police car. I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't been pulled over in years. And I, now I don't know. I'm about to go onto a highway. I leave freeway, they call it in America, and I'm not sure where to go. So I'm like, uh, so I kind of just kept driving, and the guy's like, freaking, the siren is so obnoxious. I'm like, well, I don't know. Do I just stop in the middle of the road? What do you do here? So eventually yeah. I pull over to a hotel. I'm like, I, I just, it's too unnerving. It's too freaking loud. It's too, you yeah. know. So the guy comes up and he goes, um, Do you know um, why I stopped him? I'm like, no, he goes, You hit your four way. I said, Yeah, my car kind of stalled for a sec because I didn't want to get rear ended. So I hit the four way. He goes, And then you started driving very fast. You were going 40 and a 25. I'm like, Well, I just, you know, I wanted to make up the, the time that I lost. He's like, okay. And <laughs> I, I, I can hand him my license insurance. And then I go, uh, and I'll also hand you one of these if this helps. This is a card which Matt Orso gave me three years ago. He's a great researcher, MLB Network. And when he was oh, working God. with me and Scott Rogowski, oh, no. he said his grandfather was the chief of police in Fort Lee in New Jersey. He goes, if you ever get stopped, give him one of these. It is a New Jersey State Policeman's Benevolent Association, New Jersey State PBA. So is I that hate, like proof that you donate to the police or something or something along those lines? Basically, he goes, it, it'll just help you out. I'm like, okay. So, and I was blatant about it. I go, hey, I don't know if this will help. And he's like, he looks at it, he goes, who gave this to you? And I think I said my uncle, which was a horrible thing to say. Like, I was like, my uncle was on the force. He's like, he was? Well, yeah, my uncle was, yeah, great. I'm like, no, not the right thing to say. And he, goes, <laughs> he looks at the back, he goes, well, who gave this to you? So I don't know. I mean, my buddy Mac gave it to me. But I read it, I go, um, that's Gary Waller. Yeah, that's a good one. He's my one of my my uncle's friends. Okay, Gary Waller. Yep, 
Private Conrad Jimenez. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Great. He goes back to the car, comes back two minutes later, goes, I'm going to let you off with a warning. I'm like, yes. I got wow. But did not give me the card back. Thankfully, Mac gave me two cards, which is why I'm still oh, holding one right now. I was like, you're really literally cool. holding it. I'm picturing yeah. you going, chasing the cop down after. Hey, you never give me back my card. Yeah. Excuse me, sir. I want to ask him. Like, I got to get out of the next ticket here, buddy. So give me that card back. So thank you to the New Jersey State Policeman's Benevolent Association. And more importantly, my friend Matt Orso. Um, we talked a lot of college last week. My buddy RT. Well, more college stories for you. My great friend, John Nadlin, Jay Nats. He and I lived together for two and a half years. Prior to the pandemic, he's a big theater guy. He almost went to school for theater. So he's like, hey, I'd love to come down. Do you see a couple of Broadway shows? I'm like, yeah, dude, anytime you want. I love David Mamet, and he likes David Mamet and the stars of Sam Rockwell, Lawrence Fishburne. Let's go see American Buffalo. It was going to be playing in April of 2020. We're like, great, let's get tickets. Boom, pandemic hits, play shuts down. I go, this will never come back. These guys are way too busy. Fishburne's got Blackish. Sam Rockwell's got all these other movies. He's an Academy Award winner. Eh, it happens. Anyways, American Buffalo is now on. So I text John McKaylin, let's get tickets. It's like, done. So I said, why don't you fly in? I said, my son Yusuf's turning 14, May 24th. He's coming a couple days before Memorial Day weekend. I'll work the weekend, get a couple days off work. All good. So we go, Cody, on Wednesday. And I said, listen, if you want to just hang out at the house, watch hockey, Battle of Alberta, hang with the family, or we can just go see more shows. He's like, no offense. I mean, I love your family, but let's go see shows. I'm like, great. We go see yeah. Mr. Saturday Night starring Billy Crystal. And before we went, one of the people that I work with, Jeannie at MLB Network, goes, hey, just so you know, they're closing some Broadway shows because COVID numbers are rising. Moulin Rouge just shut down for the weekend, which I took my wife to see for Valentine's Day. Yeah. So the whole time, I'm like, God, I just hope Billy Crystal's okay. Sure enough, lights come on. Fantastic show. I'll review the movie at some point here on the podcast. Mr. Saturday Night came out 30 years ago, 1992. Me and my buddy Cavi loved the movie. I think it's very underrated. At the time, it got good, not great reviews, and it was kind of criticized as like a Billy Crystal vanity project. He starred in it, he wrote it, he directed it, he co-produced it, and they thought, okay, mm. Billy really wants to win an Oscar, and it got nothing, except for David Paymer was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He plays his brother in the movie, who was also in the stage show. I was so happy. I'm like, yes, David Paymer's back. Anyways, Billy Crystal's 74. He's got incredible energy. It's funny. It's songs. At one point, I looked around. I don't know if you ever like this. I looked around. Me and John looked around, and we go, the median age right now is at least 65 years old, <laughs> and it's 90% Jewish. Like, if you've ever seen Mr. Saturday Night, it's a lot of old Jewish jokes. Hey, the Borscht Belt is Jews for whatever. So I'm like, we're, And then we're, you and your friend. Yeah, I'm like, we are, we are totally fitting in fine here. 45-year-old white guy and a 43-year-old brown man. So the show was fantastic. The next day, we go to see American Buffalo. Now, a friend of the podcast, Claire Atkins, had reached out to me and goes, hey, listen, we'll go see a show sometime. I'm like, yeah. I, 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 me and my wife, Eamon, saw a show with her and her husband, Dan. Ethan Hawke was in a show a few years ago when I was still at ESPN. I'm like, yeah, I go, American Buffalo. She goes, sure. As we're walking to meet her for dinner, I see her husband on the street. He's on the phone. I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, hey, hey. I'm like, are you going to? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I go, he goes, I'm on the phone right now. It's, it's, I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, a cake for Claire's birthday. I go, when's Claire's birthday? He goes, today. I'm like, today is Claire's birthday. He's like, yeah. I'm like, this is unbelievable. When I reached out to her, like if I had said to you, Cody, May 20th, you want to go grab a drink? I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah. I'm like, it's your birthday. Like you should have told right. me. So I'm already like, oh my God, I got to get her a birthday present right now. I'm in Manhattan. It's 520. So thankfully we meet. I was like, listen, I'm paying for the meal and the drinks. That's my birthday present to you. As we're leaving to go to the show, she has a couple of her friends there, Candace and Kyle, very, very nice. My friend John, her husband Dan, she's handing wow, a piece paying of for the whole dinner with everybody. Oh yeah, I took care of the thing. I got hey, this is okay. You, I, I was already gonna pay, then I thought it was her birthday. I'm definitely paying. Were um, you like, oh, were you like, I'll pay for Claire and her husband and like, <laughs> like yeah, I was, I was gonna go cash as a boss move, but I'm like, you know, I'm not sure if I got all my cash on me. We'll just go with the card. The card's fine, no problem. She starts handing out papers. Says, here's the tickets. I go, the what? She goes, the tickets. I go, I have tickets. She goes, what? I go, I have tickets for me and John. What, what do you mean? She goes. When I messaged you, we said, let's go to American Buffalo. I said, yeah. She goes, I'll get tickets. I'm like, 
when you said I'll get tickets, I thought you meant you'll get tickets for your husband and your friends, and I will get tickets for my people. Yeah. Did, so I'm like, oh my god. I go, listen, we'll go to the boxes. We'll figure this out. And I don't know who's at fault. You tell me. Is it on me? Is it on Claire? I'm not sure. I'll, I will Oof. take the blame. But I'm like, listen, I will pay for those tickets. You're not losing money on this. But I'm like, oh my god. So I go to the box office and listen. There's a miscommunication. My friend Claire got tickets for her people and me. Can I return these tickets? She goes, no refunds. But Oof. we'll honor these tickets for another performance later. We're playing until July 10th. So I go, okay. So I go back to Claire. I go, listen, you can use these tickets any other show. I'll buy them off you if you can't find anybody. She goes, don't worry. We have lots of Broadway going friends. We will get some people. It's fine. The show is electric. Me and John, by the way, are three rows back because our seats are incredible. I don't know where Claire and Dan and her friends Wait, were. Wait, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. You kept your seats yeah. and didn't sit with them? No, I've already paid for my tickets. I got the best seats in the house. Can, John's only from Toronto. I'm not going to get the – I mean, they're up in, like, the orchestra section. No, we, we, are, we, are, we, we are three rows back. Sam Rockwell might be spitting I would have thought you would have turned yours in to replace, and then you still get to sit with the group. Listen, the, the, the tickets that she bought were $70. The tickets that I bought were 180 You think I'm going to give the $180? No, no, come on. I paid 180 bucks. Here, Jesus. I'm going to take no, advantage of this. Right. I'm like, I will you're pay right. for the seven. I already paid for the dinner. I'll pay those tickets off you. No problem. Anyway. There just had to be a moment, though, afterwards where she was like, okay, we've settled this. So we're all going to, all right, see you guys later. It's like, oh. No, Dan and her husband did this. I'm like, oh, enjoy your nice tickets. I'm like, oh, well, see you, buddy. See you at the intermission. We'll see you after. <laughs> see you peasants after the show. Right. So the show is incredible. I mean, freaking Lawrence Fishburne on Broadway. I mean, he's literally three, three rows in front of us. Rockwell's incredible. It's a great American play, American Buffalo. If you haven't seen it, you want to go see a Broadway show, check it out right now on Broadway. What's interesting is Mamet, who's this incredible playwright. I mean, there's, one of the first jokes I ever read about David Mamet was this. He's a known playwright. You know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, American Buffalo, Speed the Plow. Movies he's written, The Untouchables and Wag the Dog, The Verdict, which me and Rogalski love. And movies he's directed, The Spanish Prisoner, movies like that. Uh, homicide is great. There's this joke years ago that a rich man is walking by a bum and the bum asks him for money and the rich man says, neither a borrower nor a lender be. William Shakespeare. And starts walking. And the bum goes, oh yeah? Fuck you. David Mamet. (laughs) 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 Which which is a nod to the fact Mamet's plays are very profane. American (laughs) Buffalo was written in 1975, Cody. I'm sitting in a theater last week. They must have dropped cocksucker and cunt and the N-word. I'm like, oh, my God. Like This this language back in 75. But it it is gutter poetry, and it's – it's, listen, the story, my wife goes, I have no interest in this. Are you kidding? You went and saw a play. It's three guys in a junk shop plotting to steal a coin, and the coin is called an American Buffalo. I'm like, listen, either you're into theater or you're not. You're going to take 90 minutes of three actors. She goes, it just sounds like three guys talking. I said, yeah, but it's, it's, the dialogue is so good. It's musical. For you right now, if you and your wife, if I said, Cody, you got to come see American Buffalo. Hour and a half, I'll get the tickets. Would you and your wife have any interest sitting through a play? Well, now I would, after your review. Beforehand, I would have been like, nah. Is this is this a normal thing in New York, by the way? Two bros having a, just a theater weekend? I don't think so. Like, like, I'm just like, telling people after. I'm like, this is not the most masculine of ideals. Like, if you're going to I mean, listen. We're yo, bro. Guys. Hey, college roommate. Haven't seen you in a while. Let's go catch a couple plays, bro. <laughs> not the most masculine thing. Mr. Saturday Night with Billy Crystal. Older and then American <laughs> Buffalo, Sam Rockwell and Lawrence Fishburne. But it was growing out. It was growing we, out. We were definitely growing out. It was great. Great to see Claire, by the way, <laughs> contributor to uh, to Cinephile. By the way, I, I'm reading David Mamet's new book, and he's 
I mean, he's kind of gone off the deep end. He's pretty much seen all. He's, he's, he wrote an article how he stopped being a brain-dead liberal. He's super conservative now. He's all about, you know, Fox News, which whatever. To all our conservative listeners, hey, we respect all different political views. But, but I have this story about David Mann, which you will find interesting. Years ago, I'm doing college football raps, and my friend Gabe Oppenheim knows I'm a big Mammoth fan. And on the air, this is when Dak Prescott was playing for Arkansas? I believe the receiver was Terrence Ross. So I said something like, it was like a halftime little blurb. I said something like, Dak Prescott to Terrence Ross, more like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. He'll take him across the street to Mitch and Murray. Arkansas leads 10-7. More coming up after this. So Gabe goes, hey, saw the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross reference. I'm like, yeah, of course, dude. He's like, yeah. I'm not kidding. An hour later, I get a message that says, dear Mr. Virk, that Dak Prescott, Terrence Ross reference might be the nicest compliment I have ever heard. Please give me your address, and I can pass along a token of my thanks. Sincerely, oh. David Mamet. And I go, what? What the fuck? What? What is going on right now? So I immediately <laughs> message Gabe, and I go, How do you know David Mamet? Like, what is going on right now? Like, wait, this can't be him. And he was, I, I can't even understand this shit. Gabe said something like, He looked up. I, I, I'm gonna have to try to guess. Mamet has a place in Santa Monica. I think he found David Mamet's real estate agent. Somehow said, "Hey, this guy Adnan Burke's a huge fan of his. Here's what he just said on ESPN." He let Mamet know. Mamet asked for my email. Crazy. So wow. David Mamet ends up sending me this book. It's called "Tested on Orphans: Cartoons by David Mamet." And wow. Inside, so this is like something. Wait, was this something that's never been released, or it's like a book that was released but no, he sent never it been released? Book? And so he wrote right here, as wow. you can see, to Adnan Burke. Thank you for your interest in my work. Yours, David Mammon. And my friend oh. RT last week said, it looks like a dick. And I go, no, that's a hat. That is, that is a hat. And then yeah. it's a couple of shades, and there's David Mammon. It does kind of look like a dick. It does kind of look like a dick. <laughs> so, let's see. I, I, that sounds, I have no idea who David Mammon is, but it sounds really cool for you. Yeah. I mean, listen, we well, who's a writer that you admire? Like, who is somebody that you uh, say, I really like his writing? Yeah, author, yeah. screenwriter, poet, whomever. Rapper, lyricist. Yeah, the Coen brothers. Okay, so if the Coen brothers were like, hey... We like, if oh, no, it's Cohen, really cool. It is yeah. really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's someone you're a fan of. That is really cool. And, and and it's random because it's like secondhand. It's not like they were watching. It's like they heard about it right. and still felt the need to like, I got to reach out to this guy. Right. That was my thing. Like, David Mamet is not watching college football raps on a Thursday right. night. Like, he's not... He's not watching. He's not into Dak Prescott. That's that's what I found particularly funny. But anyways, that's my David Mamet stories. Go check out American Buffalo and go check out Mr. Saturday Night. And my biggest fear was, of course, what? Let's hope the stage shows come off, right? Everybody's healthy. Yeah. Claire texts me Sunday night. What did she text me? This tweet from Billy Crystal. I followed all the COVID protocols, but unfortunately, I have tested positive today. Was taking every precaution possible. Stay safe. So we saw Mr. Saturday night, Wednesday night, Sunday. Crystal tested positive for COVID. I and you were your seats were so good, you might need to get tested. <laughs> Thankfully, we were all masked up. But, but I, the thought <laughs> did cross my mind. I go, I was kind of close to Billy Crystal. He may have been spitting on me. You never know. This has been a fun start to the show. We got we got Adnan broing out yes. with his boy, yeah. and we got Adnan getting pulled over. I mean, this is <laughs> Top Gun better live up. Top Gun, and uh, you know, yeah. this is. This is Really good so far. Now, now it's all downhill from here. Here's the stuff I don't really care about, which is Top Gun. So I got this tweet from my buddy, Lyle Larson, who sent me a very nice message. He slid into my DMs. I have to say I'm a huge fan of yours when you join Sports at 960. I do these radio hits in Calgary. Those guys are great. I was listening this week. I learned of your thoughts on Tom Cruise for the first time, and it was so funny. I'm curious if you have an episode in any of your podcasts where you expand on that, and also if you've ever talked about any of his movies you were forced to see in any of your podcasts. It's so funny. 
Well, so I'll do this really quick because even I'm tired of talking about it. But there's a documentary called Going Clear. It's about Scientology. It's incredibly critical. It shows that people who are Scientologists are horrible abusers and treat people terribly. And Tom Cruise is implicit because he's literally the second most important guy in Scientology behind the leader, David Miscavige. So that documentary came out in 2015. And I said from that moment on, I've got a Tom Cruise ban. I'm not going to watch his movies. I'm not paying for his movies, whatever. So this led to a big dilemma with Top Gun. I said to myself, well, I haven't seen any of his movies in seven years, which to be honest with you, when I saw it Sunday night, the biggest thing that was jarring was like, oh, that's what he looks like. Like, I haven't seen a Tom Cruise movie yeah. in seven years. I'm like, oh, okay, like he must have had some work done, but yeah, he does have good hair. He's still in pretty good shape. I'm like, oh, give him that. So anyways, yeah. I, and I kept saying to myself, I don't want to see it. Maybe I'll tell Cody, you see it, you do the review. Mike Ryan, yeah. you do it. But I said, you can't have a movie podcast and not see the movie that everyone's going to go see. So... That doesn't mean I can't bash it. So, but did you give it a chance? All right. I so did. you decided you're like for the podcast, I'm going to watch this. But you hate him. Not to hate you. You dislike Tom Cruise so much. Yeah. Like, be honest with me. Going into it, did you give this movie? Because the way you're talking right now, it sounds like you're about to give a negative review. And I just want to know, did you give it a fair shake? Absolutely. I said to myself, you know what? You can like the movie and not like him. You can separate art from the artist. If it's a kick-ass movie and it's got 97% rotten to it, I was like, everyone is loving this movie. This has to Everybody. be a good movie. Let me go check it I out. I couldn't find a negative review. And by the way, I do have to mention this, but because now I want to mention the Scientology. Leah Remini, by the way, just tweeted. She wants to remind fans about the damage of Scientology. We are still hoping to get, by the way, Miles Teller on the podcast. His publicist did reach out to him. She says, hopefully the week of June 6th. And I believe he might be on MLB Network today. So we're definitely going to get Miles at some point. Anyways, Leah Remini just tweeted this out saying, because apparently somebody was, was raising him. And she said, it's amazing. People forget Tom Cruise is in a very well-known cult called Scientology, but go ahead and praise the psycho. She said he's the I second mean, in command of Scientology. She said, we're going to forget about the fact that what this guy does uh then there's some f-bombs as well i mean it's i mean she's playing both sides she was part of it and then left it right that's yeah, what yeah, she, yeah. she was part about. of it and now she's just like she's obviously has no time for it. anyways back to your point did i give it a chance yes so we go into the theater and it's me and my boy yusuf who's now 14 he can watch these kinds of things so i said now you can you can enjoy top gun he hasn't seen the original obviously and so pretty pretty busy theater i was shocked it was not packed my local ridgewood theater i'm like it's gonna be sold out but i'm like it was all right the first thing is they're obviously heavily daytime daytime movie no daytime? seven o'clock show sunday night okay. i was like let's knock this baby out so the first thing was the top gun theme which is amazing i mean that music comes on it brings you right back to 1986 it's great theme is playing and then they got to give you danger zone which is a horrible song but of course makes you think of the movie because it's 1986 they give us 20 seconds of that i'm like okay great so we got the music out of the way and then the movie starts and it is a perfectly adequate sequel which is to say it doesn't take any chances it gives you exactly what you're looking for it's an updated story with the same characters in familiar situations but because it's now 2022 the action is done better obviously technology has improved but it is not a particularly noteworthy movie. Here's the story. After more than 30 years of service as one of the Navy's top aviators, Pete Mitchell is where he belongs, pushing the envelope as a courageous test pilot and dodging the advancement and rank that would ground him. So as you expect, Cruz is now basically washed up. Never got married. He's still part of the, the force. But as John Hamm says to him, hey, for a guy who has all these laurels, you've never been promoted. You're still just Captain Pete Maverick. What's that all about? And it's like, well, he doesn't play nice in the sandbox. And of course, he's got the guilt. And I'd forgotten this because I haven't seen the movie in 35 years. The fact that Goose died. He's got the guilt of what happened to Goose. And so who's playing Goose's kid? None other than our boy Miles Teller, coming soon as in a file. And how can you tell that it's Goose's kid? Oh, he has a mustache. Well, that's pretty good screenwriting. You know what? Let's give him a mustache, <laughs> just like Goose. Hey, that's Anthony Edwards' kid, boom. And let me guess. 
Goose's kid doesn't like Maverick. Uh, you nailed it. That's right. So they're bringing Cruz back. It's like Clint Eastwood, Unforgiven. We're going to bring him back for one last tour. Cruz, you're coming back for one last tour. He is now going to train. That's right. It's like the karate kid. The student becomes the teacher. The master is now the pupil. He is going to train this next group of people on a very, very difficult mission. And, of course, Goose's kid has no time for him because he blames him for killing his dad. Away we go. And, uh, like I said, there's not too many surprises in the film. The action is improved just by virtue of the fact it's been 34 years. I thought the, the, the action sequence, particularly the ending, was good, but not as much action as I thought there would be. Considering the reviews, most sequels, Cody, are bigger, louder, brasher. This actually isn't, which may be why the critics liked it more, because it wasn't as over the top as you might expect. Um, basically, I would say it's a familiar, nostalgic story. It's more about like being world-weary. He's kind of looking back at his life and the regrets he's had. One funny thing people are asking, what about Kelly McGillis? She was the love interest in the movie. She memorably said the other day, well, they don't want me now because I'm old and I'm fat. Kelly McGillis is 64 years old. She's like, I look like the rest of us. Tom Cruise apparently is drinking vampire's blood. He still looks like he's 40 years old. So what do they do? Typical Hollywood, hmm, let's get like an attractive woman who's Jennifer Connelly. We'll get Jennifer Connelly, who looks like she's 45 and probably 55. Well, screw it. She can be the Tom Cruise love interest. And now she's at the bar and he shows up, buying drinks, playing music, all the rest of it. I think if you love the original Top Gun, you'll enjoy this film. It's two hours and 15 minutes. My son, who has not seen the original, I said, what do you think, buddy? He goes, no, that was good. He goes, I go, that, that's your review? That's what you got from me here in Cinephile? He goes, I thought there would be more action. I go, okay. And I said, as far as the action sequences, do you see how straightforward it is? He said, what do you mean? I go, it's a close-up of the guy, then it's a close-up of the cockpit, then it's a close-up of the lever. Then they go to a wide shot of the planes, and they just repeat that process over and over. So I go, that's the key with editing here. Close-up of the eyes, Tom Cruise talking, what do we do now? Oh, my God, use some jargon nobody understands. Close-up of the cockpit, pull a lever, pull this, it's some sort of daring move, and then, boom, the planes start doing crazy stunts. I said, that's essentially the formula we're following here. So... Listen, I'm happy people are seeing it. That means people want to go see movies. But I was expecting, Cody, with this kind of review, I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to be incredible. I'm giving it two Maple Leafs. It's a fairly generic sequel. Top Gun, Maverick. I'm trying to be a judge in a case right now and whether I believe that you gave this movie a fair shake because I've – everybody, Mike Ryan's of the world, but even other people, like random people are like, do you see this Top Gun? Like people – it's – I would almost say a consensus, a good movie. But as a judge in this trial – yeah. You're clear. I agree. I think you gave it a fair shake. Okay, good. And I think that you just genuinely thought it was fine. Like you said, if people love this movie, the first one, then they're going to like it. But it's Mike Ryan, I believe, said that it should be nominated for Best Picture. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, like Mike is a brilliant (laughs) guy, and I like his takes on music and soccer, but that's an outrageous (laughs) statement. If if Top Gun Maverick is up for Best Picture, this will be one of the worst years in the history of cinema. Let that, let, (laughs) Let that be decided. I mean, it's obviously also geared, by the way, to young males. I'd be curious what women think. So go ahead. Any women listeners, go ahead and tweet me because I, I, I yeah. can't see this movie being something that necessarily all women are want to see as well. It feels like young guys, jingoism, they want to fly planes, kill people. Like that, that is your target market. Anyways, go check out Top Gun Maverick because apparently a lot of people are going to see it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, now it's time for the old movie, 
and I thought we would continue the theme of aerial assaults. As I mentioned, young Yusuf turning 14 years of age, I said, what movie do you want to watch? He said, what about The Godfather? I said, I think you might kind of find, I go, is this my birthday? Like, I, I would watch The Godfather. I go, I, I don't think you're going to like it, buddy. He goes, really? I go, you're 14. It's a little bit boring for you. It's a little slow. I go, mm. He goes, what about uh, Taxi Driver? I go, no, no, you're way too young for Taxi Driver. That, that, maybe 18, does probably 16. Does your son like movies as much as you? No. I mean, he likes going to the movies, but I think it's more for the popcorn and the slushy. Okay, but but like, did you say to him for your birthday, let's watch a movie? I said to him, like, "What do you want to do on your birthday? Whatever you want." I said, "I'll take you to a Yankee game." He goes, eh, "I'm good." I go, "Really?" I can I can text Darren Boone. I'll get us tickets. He goes, "No." I go, "Maybe it's because he's always with his brothers." I go, "Hey, well, we'll leave your brothers at home. Just you and me." He's like, "No." I go, "I can take you to the batting cages, go bowling." No. We'll invite your buddies over next week. He's like, "Yeah, that's fine." But for his day, I'm like, "What do you want to do?" And so he was kind of just like, eh, "Whatever." Fourteen year old. I mean, lethargic. Yeah. Just kind of want to hang out, watch TV all day. Yeah, you know? well, that's true. So that's why I was like, "I go, let's just watch a movie." He's like, "Okay." And I go, yeah. "You pick what you want." So we go I, through. I was week. thinking that you, as a father, were like, "Today no. for your birthday, I will give you the right to watch a movie with me." <laughs> it's like my dad giving me a pineapple for for my right. birthday one year because he wanted me to plant it. It's like, thanks, dad. This was really me. <laughs> but no, you and your son watching a movie. I'm not making fun. I was just no, like no. wondering if there was no, like, yeah. if that's what you were like for your birthday this year you get a movie watch with me at home right ta-da big shining jewel <laughs> and, and to be clear it wasn't like he was amped up he's kind of like okay cool I'm like we're getting ice cream cake and like you know pizza and all that stuff he's like all right whatever you want like, he's, he's do you ever cool. find your son isn't like because he's 14 he's yeah. probably you know it might be on his phone like is yeah. he not paying attention as much as you want are you like saying hey watch here this is like this is a good or is he good about actually being in the moment and watching a movie or is he like every kid these days it's hard to get his attention even when you got his attention thankfully no phone like we went to saw top gun i was actually on my phone at one point and the usher shushed me which was also a great moment my wow. wife was, yeah my wife was texting me and i did not want to respond to her so the next time i turned the phone off and the usher goes excuse me sir can you turn your phone off otherwise go outside and he and i both burst out laughing i go yeah no problem i go see buddy how, hey good. usher how about you let me look at my phone for a second it might be an emergency yeah, what, I, what kind of what kind of what kind of movie theater is this i, I kind of liked it i told you so i go i like that usher i go buddy i'm turning my phone off right no, your mom can wait. I go, I, that, that, that was not an important text. I would have shown that guy one of my fingers, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, so anyways, in Top Gun, a couple of times he kind of looked down. Like, I think he's just, he was just tired. I'm like, buddy, you're missing the movie. He's like, oh, okay, I'm fine. But generally, he, just, he stays off the phone, which is good. Okay. So I said, okay, what do you want to watch? He goes, how about Con Air? And I said, that's an interesting choice. Why, why are you picking Con Air? He goes, you recorded it the other day. I said, I did. It was on AMC, and I had a Nicolas Cage author on, so I wanted to watch Nicolas Cage movies, which is why we watch Face Off together. So you want to watch Con Air together? He said, I go, done. We're watching Con Air together, and I'll do it for Cinephile. Perfect. So Con yeah. Air, if you haven't, and I have not seen this, because do you think it's a good movie? I go, buddy, when I was your age, I liked it a lot. I think I was 15 when I saw it, so I think I loved it. I have not seen it in a long, long time. It's probably one of Mike Ryan's favorites as well. So I said, we're going to watch Con Air together. He's like, all right. So Connor, if anyone is curious in the story, which I don't think you are, newly paroled ex-con of former U.S. Ranger Cameron Poe finds himself trapped in a prisoner transport plane when the passengers seize control. Hence the title, Con Air. Convicts taking over. Nicolas Cage is in the film, and I'm not sure what's more notable. Nicolas Cage's accent or Nicolas Cage's hairline? Because shortly after this, he realized he was making some money, was losing his hair, badly leaving Las Vegas. Let's just go ahead and get a hair transplant. We're good to go. But here the recession is there and the accent. The accent is tough to get over, but as Rick Passmore, who told me it's available on Amazon Prime, everyone wants to see it, the accent is so bad, it's actually kind of good. The southern drawl of Nicolas Cage, it, it is in the so bad, it's so good category. And there's no more famous, or should I say infamous line, than put the bunny in the box. Yeah. It's one of those that, like, I hadn't heard it in so long, and I was like, oh, that's what people reference if there's a meme about it. I'm like, okay, now I got it. I saw the movie, and I was like, that is such a classic Nick Cage line. <laughs> It's very funny. I mean, he's, he's bringing it to his daughter. And so, you know, yeah. he's trying to escape the plane, by the way. And, and so, of course, at one point, I was like, well, you know, 
how is this guy the hero of the movie? Like, I remember thinking to myself, like, it's a bunch of convicts. But, of course, he's already served his time. He could already leave, but he is a good guy, a good convict, because whenever he's been arrested, it's been bad place, bad time. Can we start there for a second? It is such bullshit that he was convicted and put in jail originally. He gets into a bar fight that he doesn't start at all. Two guys completely attack him. And then he ends up killing one of them. But how is that not self-defense? How is that trial? They just skip through that in the movie. They just like, up, oh, sentenced. And it's like, I'm sitting there thinking, what terrible attorneys you had. You did not deserve to go to jail. That was, I mean, there's a lot of things like this. Yeah. And I like, I enjoyed this movie, but there's a lot of that would never have happened in real life going on in this movie, which yes. is, I guess, all dumb action movies. No, as are. you would say, the suspension of belief, that's definitely a good place to start. This guy shouldn't be in prison in the first place. But there he is on this plane with a rogues valley of actors. I totally forgot. Dave Chappelle is in this movie. Oh, I, I was what like, a good cast. Every every t- every scene, there's like a new name where you're like, oh, that guy's in this? Yeah, Cusack, fantastic. I mean, Cusack, good friend of Chris Chellos. He plays Agent Vince Larkin. you got Ving Rhames, who, of course, this was right before Pulp Fiction the next year. Steve Buscemi. I'm yep. shocked that Bashemi shows up playing. Did you buy him as the most right. like evil of all the killers? Like I, 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 he looked more threatening when he had the mask over his face. Yeah. Like once he took the mask off, it's like, oh, it's just Steve Buscemi. What's he gonna do? <laughs> it's Mr. Pink from Reservoir Dogs. How is this guy scaring <laughs> anybody? Like, are you kidding? I, I'm with you on that. Like, I love Bashemi, but I wouldn't think. I guess they were trying to go. Because he's so unassuming, because he does not look like a criminal, that's right. why he's, he's so, so crazy. Exactly, right. he's, he'll just you know attack women and children, and, you know, bite people. He's a cannibal and stuff. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm like, but it wasn't really, as you said, something I would be expecting. But listen, great cast. Bashemi's a part of the cast as well. Um, Bing Rames, I mentioned. You've also got most notably Cyrus the Virus. Okay, that yeah. is John Malkovich. I do remember. He's great. I remember Malkovich being one of the stars. Of the he movie. makes he brings credence to this movie. If he's not in this movie, I think it's like a really dumb movie. Like, him being in the movie makes me feel like, okay, this is, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, he's got some acting chops, and he is a legendarily great film, especially in the 90s. 93 was the same year he did In the Line of Fire. Very rare popcorn movies like that get recognized by the Oscars. John Malkus is nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He had an Oscar nomination for In the Line of Fire playing a villain, and here he is playing a villain. So this is like one of your all-time great bad guys. Malkovich, Christopher Walken, Dennis Hopper. Like, as you said, if he's in the movie, he's got acting chops. You've also got Danny Trejo in there. Uh, Michael T. Williamson, who's very good in Heat. So pretty all-star cast you're signing up yeah. for this movie, which at times is ridiculous, but it is also a lot of fun. It's directed by Simon West, the writer of Scott Rosenberg, and it's got a lot of memorable Nick Cage moments. How about the scene where he gives the wink? The camera's pushing in on him, he gives the wink, the hair flowing. Remember, that was in the trailer, and I'm thinking, okay, what scene could this be? But yeah. the fact that Cage, every day in wardrobe, I imagine, he's like, can we wear something else? He has to wear the white undershirt and just old jeans, the long flowing hair. Like it's it's an iconic Nicolas Cage look, but yeah. I can't imagine it's a look he would like to return to anytime soon. No. And his voice. The accent. It's, is it's just... extra Nick Cagey. And yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I have to talk even when I'm having a serious moment. Yeah. Everything sounds like. It was just like, I, I mean, overall, I, I, not, you know me. Action is not my thing. Yeah. So, like, there was a lot of this movie where I was just like, okay, this is dumb. But I get the appeal of it. It is such a great concept for a movie. Mm. Oh, America's sick, most the sickest people uh, all on one plane and they take over. Like, I get the premise for the movie. It was mm-hmm. just unrealistic and a little a little much for me. I, I'm giving it, like, two and a half Maple Leafs. I, I will also give it two and a half Maple Leafs. I actually enjoyed a lot of the action sequences because this was before a lot of movies had CGI, before they had a lot of computer-generated imagery. So you actually feel like those are actually planes blowing up. Yeah. Like, they spent the budget on, yep, we're going to blow up this plane together. Hopefully it's only one yeah. take. If not, we'll blow it up again. So the, the Nick Cage was- and some guy, like, fighting like while having to squat below a plane, like, down under. Yeah. Like, that was pretty funny. Yeah, there's definitely some, I mean, 
as you said, suspension of belief, but there's some interesting action sequences. I think as far as 90s action movies goes, it certainly holds up. And there's some memorable sequences. I mean, the fact that a bunny ends up being something that people remember years from now, it's kind of ridiculous. Some reviews here. And Cage is good in it. Like, as much as Nick Cage gets, like, you, I buy Cage as a guy who's kind of crazy, deserves to be in jail, but he's also like a, a, a former soldier, so he's got a good, he's kind of good at heart. Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I bought Cage. Like, I thought it was actually a decent, like, I thought Malkovich and Cage were like actually good in the film. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. They're actually good actors giving good performances amidst all the ridiculousness, which right. is, I think, not something that's easy to do. A couple of reviews here. David Anson of Newsweek. The saving grace of Con Air is its sense of its own absurdity. Rosenberg and director Simon West seem to know just how preposterous their story is. Carol Buckland, it's exhausting rather than exhilarating. She's from CNN.com. And Dwayne Burge of Hollywood Reporter, packed high with explosive action and loaded with high-stakes jeopardy, Con Air charts a generally sound narrative course, although it hits some story turbulence before it hits its climactic jackpot. Yeah. I mean, loves the plane metaphors there. <laughs> and I, a, little, a bit much. Yeah, not, yeah, a bit much on the generally sound narrative. Really? You thought it was Crash and burn with those analogies, yeah, I'd say. Yeah. Well done. Hack up to that. All right, that's our old. That's our new. It's time now, unfortunately, for the wild card. It's a sad one. Ray Liotta passing away at the age of 67. As of this taping, no idea on cause of death. But this is a guy who was enjoying a bit of a renaissance. He was in The Many Saints of Newark, uh, playing dual roles last year, and was currently filming a film and passed away in his sleep. So don't know what happened, but it's time to appreciate a guy who was really a terrific actor. Um, the first thing that comes up, you know, when someone dies, Ray Liotta, it says in the New York Times, every of these obituaries, Goodfellas star. And forever he'll always be known as a star of Goodfellas. An amazing story. He got cast in the role. He had been in Something Wild, which is a Jonathan Demi film. He's friends with Scorsese. He had mentioned to Marty, this guy's really good. And Leona got the part. Just imagine what it was like walking on that set. He's a young man. He's being directed by one of the best directors in the world. He's working with Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci, and yet he's the star of the movie. He has to carry the movie in many ways. He's in virtually every scene of that movie. He goes from a guy who, as I, as I tweeted, you know, that first shot where the camera pans up and you see an adult Henry Hill, at that moment you fall in love with Ray Liotta because he was such a charismatic screen presence, and you can see why this guy would be drawn to the mob. Look at the clothes, look at the women, look at the money, look at the fun, and then, of course, the bottom falls out, and when he is all coked up, the final 30 minutes of Goodfellas, when he is paranoid and, and scattershot all over the place. It's about as good as screen acting gets. And that scene where Joe Pesci is, you know, saying, why am I funny? The fact that Leo, he's got that crazy laugh. He was always I amuse you? I amuse you? Yeah, I make you laugh. I'm here to amuse you. The way he just kind of lets Pesci take stage and just kind of uses the silence before he laughs, you know, get the fuck out of here. It's, it's just such a well-done scene by Ray Liotta. I wanted to mention some other films of his. I immediately thought of Narc, which is a film which is not nearly well seen enough, but he plays, him and Jason Patrick play a couple of cops, and Leona's character is very murky. Uh, he, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he corrupt? You're not really totally sure, but just if you see Ray Liotta in the movie, he was drinking a lot of soy at the time, which he said was giving him these lines under his eyes, put on 40 pounds for the role, big wolfish goatee. Like, it was an amazing performance. Joe Carnahan directed it. I remember they shot it in Toronto, and Carnahan, when he was looking at the scout location, said, show me the, the biggest ghetto in Toronto. That's where we have to shoot. This is like a really gritty indie crime movie. They showed them Regent Park, and he goes, this wouldn't crack the top 50 worst places in America, but okay, fine, we'll do it. Um, but Leona was amazing in that movie. He co-produced it. I remember it's a film that he really felt passionately about, so go check out NARC if you want to do a Ray Liotta retrospective. Of course, me and Chris love Field of Dreams. He's so good as Shoeless Joe Jackson. There was some criticism of the movie because Leona was not a baseball player. He had to train and coach and get ready for it. It was decent, but he's right-handed, and Shoeless Joe Jackson was left-handed, and 
you know, years later, he said, as for the criticism that I'm playing Shoeless Joe Jackson, I'm a righty and he was a lefty. Well, guess what? Shoeless Joe Jackson also did not descend from the heavens. He did not come out of a cornfield. Like, I don't think it's that big a deal. Although you and I know, as baseball guys, I've always been a little bit like, hmm, wish he was batting lefty. But, but, but it's still very good. <laughs> and uh, especially the ending scene there where, you know, Kevin Kachi says, no, Ray, it was you. Very sweet scene there where it's about all fathers and sons. And he brings that analogy together. Um, but Ray Leonard was a guy, listen, known for playing a lot of tough guys, but I actually thought he had a really kind of a light touch as well. He was in Karina Karina, which is a sweet movie with Whoopi Goldberg. He was in a movie called Heartbreakers with Sigourney Weaver and Jennifer Love. Oh, Hewitt. that is what I've just been waiting to bring up. Yeah. I love that movie. It's one of those, cla- like, you know, it's like a rom-com type movie, but I just, like, I think 01 it came out. That's like me in high school. Yeah. I remember Heartbreakers, and that was just, uh, I'm glad you brought that movie yeah, up. Yeah, like for, for a movie that you would think, like, it's kind of a silly conceit, mother-daughter story. Got some really good actors. Like Sigourney Weaver's a good yeah. actress. Jennifer Love Hewitt's really well cast. Um, and, and Leona's hilarious. He's playing the, the whole, And then the, what's his name? Or the, Gene classic Hackman. Gene Hackman as the old like yeah. guy like that. That movie's He's, really good. When Gene Hackman's smoking away in his coffee. Yeah. At one point, he hangs on the statue, but he grabs the statue's dick and falls over. Breaks the just, dick off yeah, the statue. Look at us. So, uh. But Leona's playing, you know, this tough guy, crazy, psycho. He's in love with Sigourney Weaver, but he's being jilted. The way when Jennifer LaFueck comes on to him, like, oh, my God, how's this guy going to say no? But again, yeah. Ray Leona, could, he could do those types of roles. I, I, I think people think of him in these gangster movies, but he could do fun stuff like Heartbreakers and, and other movies like that. But it really is a, a sad loss. Ray Leona has gone from us at the age of 67. But go back in. Check out some of those old movies of his. Like I said, great actor. Cop plans another film that is excellent. James Mangold directed. Sylvester Stallone, Robert De Niro, Harvey Keitel. Again, playing a playing a jilted uh, a jilted former cop who's upset with corruption in the force. He plays a character of Figsy, who was excellent. Never had a chance to meet Ray Liotta. Wish I could have, but unfortunately, he has gone from us now. Rest in peace. So the new is Top Gun Maverick. Two Maple Leafs. The old is Connor. Two and a half. And our wild card is paying tribute to the great Ray Liotta. We'll be back next week with more reviews. I'm going to be talking about a show on HBO right now. It is called The Staircase. It stars Colin Firth and Tony Collette, one of these true crime series. It's very good in HBO. And I've had people tweeting saying, hey, I want to know what's coming up. So I can give you a, a broad outline. June 10th is a new Jurassic Park movie with our man Chris Pratt. June 17th is Lightyear, which is an animation movie, obviously based on Buzz Lightyear. June 24th is Elvis. July 1st is Minions. Uh, July 10th, Thor. So we've got a bunch of superheroes and kids movies coming up here instead of Files. So we are the place to be for all your superhero movies. And hopefully we'll get Miles Teller next time around. Thanks as always to Chris Cody. Thanks to all of you for listening. This is Cinephile. I'll see you at the movies.